Pennsylvania is facing some challenges as it reassesses who qualifies for federal health benefits and what can you do to help fight climate change. Welcome to The Morning Agenda, WITF's daily news podcast, where the only agenda is you. A good morning to you. It is Tuesday, October 31st. Happy Halloween, by the way. This is being recorded at 9.16 a.m. I'm your host, Tim Lambert, as we take this daily trip around the region's top stories together. Let's get started. Well, Pennsylvania is struggling with faulty technology and persistent staffing shortages as it reassesses health care coverage for hundreds of thousands of adults and children. Katie Meyer is with our partner, Spotlight PA. She looks at how the situation is creating a confusing labyrinth for people just trying to keep their benefits. All states had to start reevaluating who qualifies for Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP, in April. It put a lot of new pressure on state caseworkers. Plus, some of Pennsylvania's technology is outdated, and the Commonwealth has had staffing issues. Human Services Secretary Valar Kush says the state has worked hard to make sure people don't lose benefits. That's really what we're always focused on, is keeping people covered. But there have been problems, like the ones Crawford County mom Catherine Ah Wong faced when trying to keep her son's CHIP coverage. They were pretty blatant and just explaining, I got a four-minute training, this all got thrown on us. Advocates argue Pennsylvania is taking too long to renew benefits in several cases, and its outdated system likely isn't helping the process. An effort supporters say will increase transparency in several leading Pennsylvania universities has passed the state house. The university's annual state subsidies, however, remain snarled in the legislature due to a partisan funding dispute. The bill passed 201 to 1 and now goes to the Senate. The measure seeks to expand what Pennsylvania's four state-related universities have to publicly disclose. Now, currently, the University of Pittsburgh, Temple, Lincoln, and Penn State are exempt from a number of provisions that impact state agencies, including the state-owned higher education system and community colleges. State lawmakers are also pushing forward some significant juvenile justice reforms. Kenny Cooper is with our partner WHYY in Philadelphia. He reports on a proposal which is finally making its way through the House. More than two years ago, the Pennsylvania Juvenile Justice Task Force delivered a final report complete with policy recommendations. Now, House Bill 1381 is making its way to a possible vote on the floor. Highlights include ending a direct file to adult court in prohibiting the use of solitary confinement on children. Donna Cooper, executive director of Children First, is optimistic about the future of juvenile justice in Pennsylvania. Uh, they're not the full suite of bills that we need to move to a really um, reasonable, effective, and uh, state-of-the-art juvenile justice system where we make sure that children never become adult offenders. Um, But they begin to move us in that right direction. Now, you may remember the Pennsylvania Juvenile Justice Task Force was formed back in 2019 following numerous scandals, including the abuse at Glen Mills schools. Millions of dollars are flowing into Pennsylvania's race for a state Supreme Court seat as labor unions, trial lawyers and billionaires spend heavily. The latest reports due Friday show spending zipped past $17 million as Democrat Dan McCaffrey, Republican Carolyn Carluccio and their allies look for an advantage. Now, more than half, that's at least $12 million, came after September 18th, while more than $5 million is from groups that are conduits for cash from two billionaires who are major GOP donors. Labor unions and trial lawyers support McCaffrey. The court currently has a 4-2 Democratic majority with a lone open seat. 
The election is a week from today. Police in England are investigating the death of former Pittsburgh Penguins player Adam Johnson after his neck was cut by a skate blade in a game. Authorities have urged the public to avoid speculation about the incident. The English governing body has reacted by making all ice hockey players wear neck guards from the start of 2024. Johnson was playing for the Nottingham Panthers at the Sheffield Steelers when he suffered the skate cut in a Champions Cup game. Johnson was a 29-year-old Minnesota native. He appeared in 13 NHL games with the Pens. So as you know, I check about a dozen news sites across central Pennsylvania each morning when I get in around, oh, dark 30 or so. And today I came across a few stories to put on your radar because they cover issues that could impact you and your community in the future. So here's what you need to know. Two members of Pennsylvania's congressional delegation are calling for the elimination of the type of piping investigators say led to the fatal March explosion at a West Reading chocolate factory. The Reading Eagle reports Democratic Congresswoman Chrissy Houlihan and Republican Dan Muser, who both represent portions of Berks County, are behind the effort. The blast on March 24th claimed the lives of seven workers when it leveled an R.M. Palmer Company plant. In a preliminary report, the National Transportation Safety Board cites a particular type of piping known as Adol A, which is used to transport natural gas as the likely reason for the explosion. It has long been known to pose a danger of leaking. The lawmaker's proposal would require operators in high-consequence areas to identify existing Adol A and submit documentation about its usage to the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration within three years. It would also empower the federal agency to issue standards for the removal of the piping at pressurized locations in these areas within five years. The owners of a mid-state theater that dates back more than a century are now looking for a buyer. Penn Live reports the Allen Theater in Anvil, Lebanon County is on the market. Owners Ed and Susan Felty say the coronavirus pandemic hurt business, but note it's been on an upswing recently for the theater, which has one screen and shows first-run films. The facility seats nearly 300 and has been renovated to include a space for live performances. Okay, now, for the next couple of days, we're going to take a deep dive into climate change because the problems around the issue can seem a bit distant and overwhelming all at the same time. It will take efforts on a global scale to limit the worst effects. But some of our listeners wanted to know what can one person do about climate change? So as part of our Climate Solutions collaboration, my colleague Rachel McDevitt asked some experts to find out. In the first of her three-part series, she reports people can start in their very own homes. Home energy use, that is heating, cooling, and powering all our stuff in the places we live, is often a person's largest source of personal emissions because of the fossil fuels used to create that power. Temperature control uses about half that energy, according to Destiny Nock, an engineering professor at Carnegie Mellon University. Most people think that it's their lights or their fridges or their stoves, but it's really that uh, heating and air conditioning system that is going to be the bulk of your energy usage and where those emissions associated with energy usage will come from. Even if you don't own your home, there are still things you can do to reduce energy use, emissions, and money on your energy bills. First, look at places where air might leak from your home, like windows and doors, especially ones that lead to uninsulated areas like attics or garages. 
Brian Henderson with the energy efficiency company Invinity says simple foam weather stripping around leaky places can help. Air sealing tends to have um, the greatest impact, not only in energy savings, but really making homes more comfortable. Sometimes it's a matter of habits. Like if you have curtains, use them to block sunlight in the summertime to keep rooms cool and open them in the winter to help heat rooms. Upgrading to a programmable thermostat can make a big difference. You can set it so you're not heating or cooling an empty home while you're at work or traveling. A basic version of these thermostats cost around $30. Fancier ones that connect to Wi-Fi might need an expert to install. Once you've tackled what you can on your own, Andrew Jones, a Ph.D. student at Carnegie Mellon, suggests bringing in an energy auditor who can look at your overall energy use. If you know where the inefficiencies are, you can then find a solution. You can then find either a pathway or begin understanding what solutions are available to you. Because the solutions are always going to be very localized and very individualized. If you do own your home and have done the quick fixes to cut back on energy use, then you can start making a plan to do more. Sometimes the upgrades you want, like solar panels, won't be compatible with your house or your budget. Here's Henderson. Not everyone has a good site for renewable energy. So maybe some of us just go as far as insulating our homes and and waiting until we need to, 10 years from now, update our furnace. Adding insulation is important for lowering the amount of energy you need to cool and heat your home. Consider if you need to replace your windows or could add storm windows. So as you make those changes, you can then buy a smaller furnace or a smaller heat pump. You could save a few hundred dollars or even up to a couple thousand dollars by getting properly sized mechanical equipment. When shopping for new appliances like a furnace, water heater, fridge, or washing machine, go with products that have the Energy Star certification. They're more efficient. Choose electric over fossil fuel powered. Emissions connected to these things are expected to go down over time as the electric grid gets cleaner. After all that, then you can see if solar panels on your home make sense for you. Do everything you can to reduce your thirst for energy. Once we're at that point, solar is just kind of icing on the cake. It's a lot easier to, to offset your usage once it's more manageable. If you are dealing with tough finances and all this advice sounds daunting, look to your utility company. Their website will have information on assistance and rebate programs that can make bills and upgrades more affordable. Rachel McDevitt, State Impact, Pennsylvania. Now, this story resulted from WITF's community engagement reporting. A reminder, you can find more tips and information about climate change at State Impact Pennsylvania's website or on WITF's Instagram page. Now, you already know this, but the Morning Agenda is available anywhere you find your favorite podcast and on the WITF YouTube channel. And if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and on your social media channels. All right, here's the part in the episode where I ask you to let me know what is the one song you are listening to today. Reach out to me on Twitter or Blue Sky. I'm at TLambert895 on both. You can email me, Tim underscore Lambert at WITF.org. And be sure to check out our Spotify playlist, The Morning Agenda Song of the Day, October 2023 is its name. It's the final day for the October playlist, and we are adding a cover song, of course, Boys of Summer by the Ataris, covering the Don Henley classic. And that is going to do it for The Morning Agenda. It's a daily news podcast from WITF, where the only agenda is you. 
I'm your host, Tim Lambert. Thank you so much for listening today. Your company is always appreciated and never taken for granted. Be well, enjoy the rest of your Halloween, and we'll talk again tomorrow.